Welcome to Talk With Me. This is Marsha Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas on lawrencehits.com. And it's February and it's 2017. And somehow these things just kind of slipped on, on slipped up on a lot of us. Not quite sure what that means, but it's always a good time with lots of good things going on. That's my focus is remember the good things. Keep your blinders open. <laughs> Keep your glasses on rose. <laughs> and, and when I say that, what I really mean is, you know, we can't see the good stuff if we don't let ourselves, you know. We don't see what we don't believe in. That has a lot of meaning to me. But um, So make sure that each day, even if it's a drab one in whatever kinds of ways, make sure that you are open to noticing those things that are some highlights. You know, for me, I'm I'm a goofball. It might be that I've taken a walk and I've been mesmerized by the clouds in the sky or the shapes of different plants that are kind of the contrast as I'm looking across a field and different things of different heights and colors. And it's those times when I'm really glad that I wear glasses because I wouldn't see those things without my vision correction. <laughs> and I say that in a, as I laugh because I remember being a kid and I was in junior high when I first got classes. And it's like, it, it is a metaphor for life. You don't know what you don't see until you see it. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know until you know it, you know? I mean, that is that is so true. So I, I appreciate the wonders of color and shapes and all the beautifulness that really is around us all the time. And my brain often construes things that other people wouldn't. I'm still fixated on this piece of plumbing hardware that's beside where the office of the radio station used to be. And as I would walk up the sidewalk to get to the radio station, I would always look at that piece of whatever kind of meter and plumbing connections were happening there. And it always looked to me like a person. <laughs> Okay, then, what kind of person is on this radio show? I find delight in the world. I hope you do, too. And one of the things that I love is meeting people who are all about people, about elevating other people, connecting other people, bringing out the best of other people, helping people, mentoring people, all those kinds of things where it's not just I, 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 but a lot of we, you know, we can do this together, you know. I love those kinds of people. I find those people in my work community of suicide prevention, and not everybody, but a lot of great ones there. And I find a lot of those people in the arts community that I have the privilege of connecting with in the Midwest and beyond. And one of those people here in the Kansas City area, nearby Lawrence, Kansas, is Jamison Bales. Jamison Bales, welcome to this episode of Talk With Me. <laughs> good morning, Marcia. It uh, is indeed good to talk to you this morning. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been in the same room. We'll have to make that happen sometime soon. But Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't remember what actually brought us together the very first time, but I know that so much of our experiences together in the in the years that we've known each other has been around things that you are doing that involve lots of people and that somehow you've managed to maintain your own writing, your own poetry, probably had to put it a little bit on hi hiatus at times because you've done a lot with other people, but but 
you've had that combination of of doing your own work personally and also doing that with other people. And there's a lot to talk about today. So there is indeed a lot to talk about. For people who have not yet met you, either literally in person, in real life, IRL, as they say, or, or <laughs> through the interwebs, or you know, what? How about a little bit of intro of you? Uh, I'm a native Kansan that has been transplanted into the state of Missouri. I've been here for about uh, 12 years. Um, uh, currently reside in Kansas City. Um, I've been writing since. I first started writing in 1996, um, very poorly, I might add, um, and then <laughs> and then took a break for a while. And then a, a couple of years ago, I decided uh, if you're going to do this, you got to give it a shot. You got to go all in. So I jumped into this pool of poetry and promoting poetry and publishing, and uh, uh, still in uh, still in Missouri uh, for the moment. Um, resident of Kansas City, I live in the Northland which is kind of this weird, it's got a small town vibe, but still kind of has a, a city vibe as well. Um, you can walk outside at one uh, thirty in the morning and nobody messes with you, um, which seems kind of weird for Kansas City. But uh, uh, so that is the environment in which uh, I currently dwell. All right. And, uh, you know, as you're talking, there are just these different memories and thoughts that come to my mind. And one of the ones that's really dear to me was being at a reading that you hosted in Lawrence, Kansas at the Raven Bookstore. And it was the reading where Denise Lowe, former poet laureate of Kansas, read the poem of a dear friend of yours who has died, Dory Hogan, and Dory's mom was there amongst other people in the audience. And I had a chance to talk to her and and see and experience her joy in having her daughter remembered in this way through her poetry. And that was an amazing gift. That was an amazing night overall. But that particular part was so, so cool. So I I just wanted to say that again, and, and thank you for that. That, that particular night was rather surreal in the fact that, um, I had a couple ideas, particularly for that reading. And um, at the last moment, um, the idea came to mind to have uh, a predominant female poet read uh, Dory's work that was published through Poems for All um, post after she died. And so I kind of wrote... Robert Hanson, uh, who does... Correct. Correct. Robert Hanson, uh, he's the guru at uh, Poems for All. Um, And so I kind of rolled the dice a little bit and contacted Denise Lowe. And it was was a gamble because, you know, she's a former poet laureate and she would be reciting in public poems by somebody she'd never heard of. So I submitted the the work to uh, Denise to have her see if she was okay with it. And she was. And I didn't tell the audience or anybody because I wanted to keep it kind of keep it private and quiet. Um, but yes, definitely after the reading, um, watching that dynamic between um, uh, Denise and uh, Cheryl Hogan, Dory's mom, mm-hmm. and, and you as well, just um, as an organizer, it just became very surreal um, that wow. um, the idea became a reality. So yeah. um, I think that's really the, the important aspect that comes to predominantly organizing readings is there's a lot of logistics go, in, go into it. You can get 
very caught up in that very easily. But the impact that you can have when it comes to organizing readings um, is immense, and it always exceeds your expectations on what you think is going to happen. So, mm-hmm. and uh, that little quiet moment at the bookstore, the Raven was definitely one of them. So, yes. okay. yeah, well, yeah. And I want to jump forward. I want to hear about your new book, and we'll probably talk about that a couple of times. But I want to hear about what's what's going on with this new thing and this release and all that good stuff. This book is a result of a couple of things. One, it's a result of uh, Jason Reberg constantly nagging me to get my work out. Um, <laughs> I took a year off of promoting my own work last year to focus predominantly on the uh, Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. Um, I, felt, I felt it was more important to establish a, a decent uh, foundation that we could get uh, some networking going. Um, then work on my work later on. And soon after the throwdown last year, uh, uh, Jason and I were standing outside the bookstore and he, he kept at it. You know, we, we got to get your stuff out. And I said, yeah, 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 we got to get your stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so late last year, I approached him again about uh, what opportunities there might be through Spartan. And he's currently developing a new series called the Midtown Poetry Series. Mm-hmm. And he asked me if I'd be interested in that. I said, yeah. And so uh, there's been a manuscript I've been developing for some time entitled uh, Legends of Doho that uh, predominantly centers on my recovery process um, from Dory's uh, unfortunate uh, death. She passed away in a car accident in 1996. And um, it's been a long, windy road um, Mm -hmm. since that time. Um, I've been battling uh, depression, anxiety. there were a few uh, suicide attempts on my part during that time period um, that uh, resulted in uh, a stay at uh, Two Rivers Hospital here in Kansas City um, as part of my recovery process. So in the process of putting this book together, um, I kind of looked at not only that time period, but my entire life and um, focused in on the sense of, I guess, this connection I always felt like I had with my world. And so I uh, put a manuscript together, and uh, it's entitled Legends of Doho, and it's set to be released on the 13th of February at the Uptown Arts Bar from 7 to 9. Um, I do have a special guest reader, uh, superstar Krista Siglin, will be uh, uh, accompanying me on stage um, um, during the read as well. Um, she'll do her own separate set. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah, that's uh, February 13th from 7 to 9. So and the then, Monday before Valentine's Day. Tuesday. The Monday, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm not convinced uh, Jason didn't take that date intentionally, but I think it's part of Blue. It's part. It's part of Blue Mondays, which Sharon Iker hosts wow. at the Uptown Arts Bar. Um, there will also be an open mic as well. The open mic starts at seven. And I think I go on at eight o'clock. So um, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So interesting because I had not even considered that Doho might relate to Dorian, Dory Hogan. There was always a sense of mystique about her and uh-huh. that particular nickname, um, she absolutely hated that nickname in high school. <laughs> um, and I guess it's just kind of an abbreviation of her first and last name. Uh-huh. Um, there may have been other, um, because kids are cruel, there may have been other implications to that. Um, yeah, she's kinda, a, when I saw it in print, that's like doe, as in a female deer. Oh, <laughs> right, right. 
um, she was a very free spirited person, um, very, um, very open minded, uh, always had a smile on her face and she just kind of lit up the room uh-huh. wherever she was at. And for me personally, she's been, uh, as I look back on my life, she's really been the only person in my life that really flipped the switch on me and uh-huh. drastically changed my sense of perception, um, uh, to how I see, uh, life. And I would not be the writer that I am today without, uh, the limited, uh, exposure that I actually had to her when I was in high school. So, um, that's pretty powerful, huh? Yeah, it was, well, <laughs> um, I received some advice when I was putting the manuscript together that, uh, if you're going to write something, you need to write something that actually challenges you. Uh-huh. So and putting pieces together. I was like, I don't know if I should be reading this. And I realized, well, that's the stuff you should be writing about. You don't want to write about stuff, say stuff that uh, I could write about this or because um, that's kind of the boring stuff. People are interested in what challenges you, what motivates you, what scares you, what uh-huh. uh, you anticipate, what excites you, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I heard somebody say, and I, I can't remember who said it, but the, the phrase was write from your scars, not your Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You have to be you have to be healed enough to do that in a meaningful way and in a way that that you can handle the exposure to the world when you put something out there at a reading and in print. But it needs to be real and it needs to be stuff that that's really important and meaningful and changed you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. So. This just hearing this impact of Dory. That's, you know, I don't think I've heard that much from you before about this, this one person and being such a turning point in your life. And so I, I want to go ahead and ask related to that, will that uh, poetry prize continue? Uh, will the what continue? The poetry prize. Uh, I, I'm not affiliated with the Cinemali publications right. anymore. So um, it's entirely possible that it might. Um, uh, I'm not really sure the direction where that press is going at this moment in time, but uh, anything's possible. But uh, for this year, um, I, have, I have enough on my plate as is yeah. with the uh, Kansas City Poetry Throwdown with the Poetry Bay and then uh, promoting this book as well. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot to tackle this year. But um, um, but to answer your question, I'm not sure if that would, uh, the Dory uh, Renee Hogan Poetry Prize, if that would continue. I would, I would hope so, but uh, mm-hmm. at this point in time, that's out of my hands. Yeah, okay. So back to the book, the, the, that reading is, the release is coming up pretty quickly. Do you have a, a pre-order site with Spartan, or how does it work? Uh, they could, uh, uh, yeah, I've got a pre-order through uh, PayPal. They could uh, just uh, email me. Uh, it's thirteen fifty. That's shipping and handling included, and uh, gets a copy of the book as well. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, pre-orders are available. So, okay. and the the event on the thirteenth. I know um, some releases in, include an admission charge that covers a copy of the book. Sometimes the book just sold there. How how are you working that at the uptown? Uh, on the um, there, there's no cover. Um, if they're interested in the book, they can just buy it directly from me. Um, it's a bit of a challenge to, to have a cover for a cover charge at a bar um, and try to sell a book at the same time. I know yeah. Prospero does that with the pop poetry series, yeah, yeah. but if somebody was just getting off work and they wanted to go in and have a beer, they may not be up for a $12 cover charge for, right. 
uh, yeah, a book of poetry, which I can understand. But um, yeah. people can purchase the book there at the event on Monday the 13th. And That's then correct. after that, what's, what's the way? If they can't make it on the 13th. Uh, if they can't make it on the 13th, they just contact me directly. Um, there is a Facebook page for the book. They can be message me there, or they can message me on Facebook, or uh, hunt me down in downtown Kansas City. I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> I, I literally hunt you down, please. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Either way. I've heard, I've heard too many stories of, uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Safely seek out Jameson Bales, please. <laughs> yes, yes, please, please. <laughs> So, so this book, in some ways, is a shout out to Jason Reberg as well as Dory Renee Hogan. Um, Dory certainly being the inspiration, and and that uh, Jason providing the kick in the butt to get it done, huh? Yeah, the kick in the butt, dragging me by my heels. Yeah, you got to get going. And so, it wasn't just the book release as well. There's uh -huh. there's a ton of opportunities for poets out there. Um, there's also a huge demand for Kansas City poets as well. Mm -hmm. So when uh, we were talking about getting the book released, um, there was some talk about uh, getting a group of people together to attend some readings uh, in 2017. Mm -hmm. So after the 13th of February, um, I swear this sounds like a sitcom, I know it does. Um, Victor Clevenger, Damien Rucci, John Dorsey and I are heading to Dallas, Texas during St. Patrick's Day weekend for <laughs> a series of uh, three readings. And we're joining uh, Heather Minnae Shabbat um, down in, in Dallas. Paul Konecki set all this up. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be sitcom is what it's going to be. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, four very energetic writers. And it's uh, Heather's first read as well. Um, oh, and then Paul, Paul brings his own sense of energy as well. Um, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that'll be my next, I guess, big project read after that. And then uh, in early May, uh, Victor Clevenger, Jason Pru, and I will be attending the uh, Jawbone Poetry Festival in Kent, Ohio. It's a three-day open reading festival held during the first part of May that is in memory of the shootings that took place at the Kent State on May 4th, 1970. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, this pet festival has been taking place over like almost 30 years yeah. and um, there, there's several opportunities out there for poets, there's festivals, there's all these major avenues uh -huh. and a lot of the information's come my way and I don't, I, I'm not egotistical enough, but I'm, I would say, well, I'm just going to do this on my own. So if an opportunity opens up for me, I usually drag three or four poets along with me just so That's that uh, they have those opportunities as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll be on the road a lot uh, promoting the book, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. So uh -huh. it'll, it'll be a big year for me personally. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Mm. And and as we say that, this is that reminder: buy the book. With their readings, are traveling on their own expenses, scrounging you know together money for travel and food and lodging at people's places if that can happen and i mean it's it's a gift to the communities that that people end up with at these festivals and 
you know, what we can do is we can buy the books. We can tip the, I'm sure you could just stick pocket money. You know, I mean, <laughs> hey, just, you know, but I mean, but that reminder that, uh, and honestly, the books don't generate a lot of income for the actual writer because there are costs of producing books. But, you know, that, that thing of, you know, to me, it's like, we want these things. I want these things to be in my world. And so I do my part in ways like buy the book from the writer or the publisher when possible. And when those aren't possible, for whatever reasons, then I try my local bookstore rather than that gigantic Amazon.com. I might use Amazon as kind of a catalog to get the details I need to make it easy to order. And I say that very seriously, that, that you know, that the more local we can spend our money, the better. That is my public service announcement for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we small market uh, press uh, poets appreciate your uh, poet, public service announcement. Um, um, Amazon's its own beast in itself, but it is important to, yeah. to support uh, community involvement and uh, the independent bookstores as well, because they are the lighthouse for literature. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've gone through a lot over the past several years. And there's, there is a resurgence of uh, independent bookstores now where a lot of presses are actually opening up their own bookstore as a means of uh, not only generating revenue, but uh, showcasing writers as well. So um, the fight still continues. <laughs> yeah, and it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And and for me, I, I I say this so often, but I but it's so true for me. I love hearing people read their own work, and then getting that book and being able to look at those words on the page, you know, to to get that additional meaning and have that memory of the person. And so as I say that, I'm wondering if now might be a time that you would share a poem from Legends of Doho. Sure. Um, I will start with the uh, actual first poem of the book. Um, there are there are about three, two or three pieces in that book that are were extremely difficult for me to uh, focus on and write due to subject matter or a particular sliver of time. And uh, I started the, the book with one of the most uh, difficult uh, series of time, uh, pieces of time uh, for me personally over the past 10 years. Um, and uh, that's what the poem centers on. So the poem is entitled uh, An Open Letter to the Legends of Doho um, as a prelude to a suicide that is cheaper than you would think. It's, it's, it's a long title. <laughs> um, An Open Letter to the Legends of Doho, a prelude to a suicide that is cheaper than you would think. Dear Dory, this antiquated gunshot started off as a bloodstained note. An Emancipation Proclamation, a section of the Tecumseh Cemetery branded as a Robert Frost ripoff. Many woods are dark and deep, but as you well know, the sea of seen is finite. The sea of unseen is infinite. This collection of work would not have been conceived without you. It would not have been produced without you. It would not have been reciprocated without you. Interned in discountenance, I glance inside the aisles of hypernesia and this text glares back with a vengeance. My motivation was Sashi to penetrate the true aspect of reality, non-reality, and sets life that is the union of nature and of the self. This was your gift to me. This work is my gift to you. 
abbreviated pauses slumber in between the invariable spaces entranced among random snow encased tombstones displayed during the hangover of nightmares some would define as anamnesis. He transcended reality on a disgenuous highway cascaded among amputated footprints, Dory. October 22nd, 1996. In retaliation, my suicide today will be a human vestige among the emaciated field of recoiled regret someone ascertain as enlightenment. 11 minutes. It takes 11 minutes for me to delve into six inches of snow to exhume the borders of your tombstone. Mirrored memories drip from the ruptured messages I have baptized and aborted at your grave. There were 55 of them, Dory. 55. I can't remember all of their names. Dory. In the realm of social encounters, you were the only territorial sage that mattered. Every single woman who outvaded my life were vacationers on expired travel visas, pilgriming into the void of redundancy. Stumbling out of the Becomsey Cemetery, my eyes become a divorced mist of tears. The tsunami of memory begins. Dory wouldn't have felt anything at the moment of impact. I just want to be friends. A mile east of Blue Springs. Did you get that poem I mailed you? After her 1992 Mercury Topaz collided with a western-bound semi heading to Montgomery Wards, a Lawrence-bound sedan flew 200 feet in the air before landing in the embankment. Blunt force head trauma. Closed casket funeral. I just want you to trust me. I've been... I've been gargling Beretta misfires, Dory. 6.45, 6.55, 7.05 a.m. A manuscript of fallen angels slumbering in sleet, hand in hand with blue halos and bloodied innuendos evict me out of Kansas. The sexton has also asked me to leave. It's closing time. Yet the rumors remain. The legends of Doho evaporating into every thought I've ever claimed as my own. Doho sewed a homemade veil into her prom dress. Doho scattered random poems among the tea leaves of youth. Doho would want you to move on from the accident. I just want you to trust me. This open letter is a prelude to a suicide that is cheaper than you would think. There are 55 of them, Dory, 55. I can't remember all their names. Sincerely, Jameson Bale. That's so beautiful and touching, and and I can hear the you know emotion in you as you read that, and it's and a huge gift that you share that with other people. You know, I kept having this uh, reoccurring dream that on the twenty uh, second of October in twenty sixteen that uh, I was actually going to kill myself at her graveside. And I'd have a dream maybe about three times a week. And for me, it got to a point, uh, the 22nd of uh, October 2016 was the 20th anniversary of his death. And it got to the point where um, it was affecting me so much, I had to put myself into uh, uh, a support group for uh, suicide uh, attempt survivors. And it was a 12-week program. And... Um, uh, the dream at times it would get very vivid, where I'd wake up to the sound either of a gunshot or I could taste metal in my mouth. And so um, on the 22nd of October, 2016, I actually did go back to uh, Dory's graveside, and I brought uh, a collection of poems with me. Some of the poems that uh, uh, Robert Hansen had published, the poems for all, um, 
uh, last year's uh, Dory Renee Hogan Poetry Prize and a Chumos book, Dreamflowers, brought a copy of that as well, as well as a couple of my own. And um, Dory's buried in the Tecumseh Cemetery, which is Tecumseh, Kansas, which is northeast of Topeka. And it's a small cemetery, and it was a sunny day. And uh, on the 22nd of October, my younger brother dropped me off at the cemetery. And I'm standing alone in the cemetery, and it just felt very surreal because um, I actually felt like I was in a dream. And so uh, I struggled with uh, uh, depression, um, a severe depression at times for a number of years. And so I wasn't really sure what was going to take place, what was going to happen. And uh, uh, at one point, there was a farmer that was uh, in his field, and I guess he was testing his, uh, his rifle. So I'd actually hear gunshots in the background, and uh, it was a moment where it was just, I, I was trying to call people and text people, and there's just, I couldn't get a hold of anybody. So uh, Dory's mom eventually did show up in the cemetery. Uh, she agreed to meet me out there, and so we had this kind of quiet moment on a sunny day um, uh, at the cemetery there in Tecumseh, Kansas. And so for me personally, it took a, a sense of victory to... Uh, actually walk out of that cemetery. Um, it was actually, I guess, surviving a, a nightmare, a recurring nightmare that I had for years. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I discussed that particular issue with some people. I'm like, I oh, got to write about that. And I'm like, I, don't, I don't know. I really want to write about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think it's important for people that have dealt with um, depression and suicide that to know that it is possible to make it through the other side that this is uh, the heavy weight that you have when you're going through that struggle, that there is a way out of it. So, um, so yeah, so that's how I started, (laughs) I started the book. Um, but that was, uh, kind of where I was at that particular time. So. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That is a huge thing to share and that inspiration for other people because as you know, as I know, lots and lots and lots of us struggle with depression, with anxiety, with thoughts of suicide, with self-harm, with suicide attempts, you know, and, and for people who are isolated with that, who don't know that anybody else has had that experience and is willing to say anything about it, then you also add the layer of shame and so to hear somebody say, this is, this is what it has been for me, and I did find my way through to a place that has a lot of light in it now, not only darkness. And yeah, there are some times that are awful still. Bad stuff happens around us, to us. We make mistakes, but good stuff happens too. Because when we're in the midst of it, we don't know that anymore. We can't see that. We can't remember that. You know, so it's it's a huge gift for somebody to read that poem or to to hear you in particular to hear somebody speak it out loud at a mic, you know, and and get that idea that you know maybe I too can get to a better place than I am right now. I think that's one of the benefits of poetry that when you hear or read other people's work, um, it, it gives you an opportunity to see how how poets challenge themselves to express whether it's their, their thoughts or um, uh, social ills or ways to improve society. Um, and so by 
um, we're always in this process of, uh, you're always in a constant development of poetry. I don't think you ever reach like an apex. You should always be trying to improve your work, improve your perception. Uh-huh. So the ability of attending readings or reading independent literature where poets are really kind of pushing the envelope uh, in the realm of human experience. Um, um, I think that um, by exposing yourself to that, it, it help, can help you inspire uh, how each individual poet can express their own uh, experiences they've had in life as well. So, uh, yeah. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> and that, and that reminder of the power of art, of poetry, as well as other kinds of art to, to elevate messages, to bring people together. That's something that is yet another reason for us to get out, go to those events and buy the books. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm also going to say, excuse me, we need to take a, a quick break and hear from some of the businesses in Lawrence, Kansas that sponsor lawrencehits.com. And we will be right back with more talk with me, with poet Jameson Bales. And I will say a big thank you to Daniel Smith, who produces the show so people get to hear it. That's a big gift, too. Thanks, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and my guest today is Jameson Bales. And we were just talking about how powerful poetry can be for helping people hear things that need to be spoken out loud and learned from, you know, and and as I'm doing this show, I'm sitting in my dining room, and one of the lovely things around me is a painting collage by a poet friend in Long Island, New York, you know, and and I think about the the joys of of sharing that, so I, I like to have people think about how they too can enjoy (laughs) being at events, buying art, being around the people who create art. And it's sometimes just because it's fun, but sometimes it's really because there are important messages that we needed to hear and they may slip up on us, which is one of the things I love about art um, is that you might get to reach people who didn't expect to be reached. So with with your work in general, you know, you you've made it really clear that high school connecting with with Dory Renee Hogan that has been a huge turning point in your life. It really is inspirational in so many ways. She's part of you forever. And and so this recent book really is about that part of you, that part that was so touched and shaped and continues to grow thanks to that relationship with Dory. And and I'm wondering a little bit about some of the other work that you do, um, other books that you have in print, other projects that you have, just to kind of give people a sense of some of the diversity that is what's Jameson Bales these days. I have another pri- uh, manuscript in development where I spent uh, 16 months living in a tent in various state parks in Kansas and Missouri. Um, it was uh, <laughs> a mild understatement. It was an extremely unique experience. Um, I was at a period of my life where I needed to sidestep uh, what normal expectations were uh, for us as human beings. I just I needed much more out of life. 
And I've done some soul searching on that. And I've always been in that uh, state where um, that light switch that Dory flipped on in me, um, I've always still been seeking that out, whether it was through other people or other experiences. And I haven't found anything that's ever measured quite up to that impact, um, including very recently there have been people I've met where uh, it looked like that, that this could have been flipped and uh, it, just, it, it never worked. Um, but during that time period where um, I guess I embraced my inner throw and um, uh, uh, stayed in various uh, state parks was uh, just a completely different vibe um, where I actually felt in tune with um, uh, who I was as a person, who I was as a spiritual being and um, who I was as a, as a natural element. So mm-hmm. um uh, don't tell Jason Reber that because he's going to want to, he'll nag me to get that book out. <laughs> well, Jason, well, you keep that in case you're listening, I didn't tell you, Jameson did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know, he doesn't need to know. <laughs> but, but to answer your question, yeah, that is another project uh, uh, that uh, I'm currently working on. But in order for me to do that, I actually have to sidestep being outside of Kansas City because this is a a concrete jungle at times. And so it actually, um, I took a lot of notes during that time period, but actually to get back into that vibe, I actually need to be in that environment again. So uh, that is currently a work in progress. But uh, yeah, so that, uh, regarding my own work, that's on the, that's on the next agenda. So. And how about a little bit about Poetry Bay, where you're, you're writing for this online journal? <laughs> Poetry Bay is a really interesting project. Um, uh, it's uh, headed up by George Wallace, who is uh, a guru on the, the East Coast. And I've had, I've had a unique opportunity to have some uh, pretty interesting conversations with uh, George. And uh, I will admit that uh, he's been a mentorship. He's been a mentor of mine for a while when it comes to uh, uh, being professional in this business and um, um Achieving certain expectations and the way you present yourself, um, uh, he's been a, a definite shot in my arm. And a few months ago, uh, he pitched an idea that he asked me to be a, a correspondent uh, for Poetry Bay, where uh, uh, every so often I would write articles about what's going on uh, in, in the area or um, in the poetry scene as well. And so I, I've written a few. I wrote uh, one article on the uh, pop poetry series another on uh, um, the Osage Arts community down in Bell, Missouri. And then my last article was a, a review of Iris Havelquist's uh, book, uh, Nice Feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next article is um, actually going to be a conversation with Robert Hansen uh, about his Poems for All project and the unique places where his little his little books have, have landed. So, um, And that, that article should come out in February. So. Um, yeah, George is always. What happens? What usually happens is I will. I'll con- I'll email uh, George Wallace and say these are the ideas, and uh, I'll send six, and he'll to pick maybe three or four. Um, um, in 2017, I will be covering other uh, uh, stuff that's going on outside of Kansas City as well. Um, the the title I guess I have is roving. Um, yeah correspondent but at times i think it's a roaming <laughs> correspondent <laughs> where i'll be out and about but that, that, that's fun so i get a chance to get out and meet people and see what other venues and other other communities are doing so mm-hmm. um yeah it's a, it's a really unique experience for me personally yeah. have you been able to 
at this point, have you yet been able to be at a reading, doing a reading with George? Um, no, I haven't. Um, he was in Kansas City a few years ago, but I was out of the, uh, I was kind of out of poetry scene. I've, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard things about the legend of, uh, of George Wallace. And he's got, there's some stuff on YouTube of him reading. Mm-hmm. And I know that you interviewed him a few months uh, ago as well. Um, it's um, a delight. I mean, for me, what what just shocked me, honestly, was that though you had suggested that I, I'm sure that you had you're the one who suggested that I tr- talk to him, and so here is this renowned poet messaging me on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> about how to make this work because he this funky AOL email account or something that's rejecting half of the email that's being sent to him. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like the middle of the night and it's an hour later for him than it is for me. And it's just cracking me up that, that he has taken the time to do this thing. And, and so, of course, he's very dear to me because of all that effort. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's definitely a force in the... Uh... In the, in the poetry industry, but uh, he does take time to listen, and uh, uh-huh. and and uh, he's very personal as well. And uh, he's actually going to be one of the uh, five headliners. He's coming to Kansas City in April, uh, uh-huh. along with uh, uh, four other headliners um, at the Kansas City Poetry Throwdown, which takes place uh, April 21st through 23rd. Um, it's another. Uh, <laughs> Insane project that uh, Jason Reberg and I, as long as as well as a cast of a few other people, that are currently working on to develop a three-day poetry event um, that kind of supersedes the the poetry event that took place last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have poets now that are coming out from eleven different states. Cool. Um, I believe the, the we have five headliners: it's George Wallace um, from New York City, uh, John Dorsey, who's a poet laureate in uh, Bell, Missouri. Um, it's also affiliated with the OSH Arts Center, RSH Arts Committee. Uh, Ari Washington, who's the editor of a DTK Press out of Cleveland. Uh, Bill Gaynor, um, a well-renowned Southern California poet. And uh, William Taylor, uh, yes. And uh, William Taylor Jr. out of San Francisco are our five headliners. Uh-huh. And in addition to that, we have about 30 different featured poets Mm-hmm. Um, that are coming from, uh, again, 11 different states. Um, the featured lineup has changed. Um, the lineup that we have now wasn't originally what we intended because we wanted to try to diversify this as much as possible. And mm-hmm. so about eight or nine months ago, uh, Jason Reberg and I, at that time, Jeanette Powers was involved in behind the scenes as well. We got together and we're like, well, we got to do it better, girl. We got to do it better. Um, and with the I'm not a political guy, but with the current administration we have now running the show in the United States, um, the artistic community needs to um, uh, step things up a bit and open up more avenues and more doors for voices that are either suppressed or just simply not heard based off a variety of factors in our society. So while the throwdown does have certain, there's, uh, there's opportunities for people to read um, there's all these activities going on, which I could discuss, but the throwdown at its essence is about networking. Mm-hmm. And so the people that will be attending the throwdown are the movers and shakers of the industry that the changes that are needed, that these people can make those changes. So 
So um, a lot of stuff will be going on behind the mic. It's the conversations that take place during breaks or yeah. dinner or during free time, um, which is really the vital element of the throwdown. So, um, so in addition to uh, there being feature readings at Prospero's from Friday through Sunday, the Writer's Place is actually going to be hosting an event on the 22nd in which seven editors um, from different publications companies will come in and they'll discuss um, projects that they're doing and um, the nature of the business and various topics in the industry. And there'll be a question answering uh, opportunity after each presentation mm-hmm. um, and a brief reading uh, as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on at the throwdown. Um, yeah. It's uh, a bit different than last year, but uh, it's time that we step things up a bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's that's uh, what we're attempting to do this year. So. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, bringing all that energy together in Kansas City. And for people who don't know, April is Nationally Poetry Month. So if you're listening and you're not really in the area that could get to Kansas City for April 21 through 23rd, look at what's going on around you too, because there will be a lot more big activities in the poetic communities all around, especially during April because of National Poetry Month. So it's a good time to get out and see what's going on. And, and the Kansas City event obviously is has be has started as and, and is a national event with the people coming in. She's excited <laughs> having a lot of those publishers, I'm gonna guess, a lot of the publishers that I've met are publishers and writers, just as you did some publishing. I'm not sure if that's going to be something you're doing again in terms of publishing other people's work that a lot of people are are doing both. Um, and so it'll be an interesting experience to, for people to be able to, to learn more about that part too and connect with those people. Right? Absolutely. It, it allows, the throwdown allows an opportunity for um, the poets in the area to see what is going on mm-hmm. um, in other areas. And I'm going to pick on one particular poet at the moment. Um, Hillary, Hillary Leftwich is uh, a Colorado resident that she hosts uh, readings, I believe in the Denver area. And a few months ago, she hosted an event that I believe was a benefit for the protesters at uh, Standing Rock, where there was readings. I believe they also accepted donations um, at the reading that was uh, going to help fund um, the relief efforts for the protesters at the Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a trend um, nationally where poets are wanting to become, um, I'll just use the term community activist, but I'm not sure right. that's entirely uh, an accurate label, but to utilize uh, their voice and the, the ability to create um, readings or events to help spotlight issues that are going on now. And without question, the people that are coming into the throwdown are those people that set those up. And um, yeah, I'm completely giving Hillary a shout out. She's one of them. Mm -hmm. So um, um, she's one of many that are coming in that, that, that that do that. So, um, so it's not just about uh, reading in my time. Although I realize that some people are concerned about that. Um, but the overall intent of the throwdown is to help uh, establish a more uh, the foundations of a network and make that a lot stronger so that um, because there, there does need to be more diversity, um, more um, openness and a sense of um, 
uh, spotlighting those voices that aren't heard. And nice. in the po- in the poetry community in general, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, the the industry is that has been always been dominated by um, white males, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's time now to. And I say this is a white male that started off this interview by promoting his own project. Um, uh, But it is time that we do open more doors for people um, because there are some people it's just it's difficult to get their foot in the door. And once you become established with this, I've always felt it was important to that you do open doors for others Um, because there's plenty of opportunities for everybody. It's just opening those doors. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's one of those things I really admire about you, Jameson, is that you you're intentional about bringing other people up, not just you. And I think that's that's so important. And and this is a time in our country when there is an opportunity for art to be a powerful way for people to hear things and see things that they maybe didn't realize. You know, I, I always get back to go into a workshop a long time ago that was on storytelling and it was actually a workshop hosted by a big foundation in Kansas. And, you know, their, their reason for doing it was that people in terms of asking for money for things, wherever they're needing to ask for it to support a cause, a social service, whatever it is, that, that the better they tell their story, the more likely that they can engage people who have the resources to make it happen, you know? And so, so it was, that, was, that was the reason that it was provided at this time. But, but the, the idea that it's, it's stories that reach us at times when data doesn't, you know? Um, it's, it's stories that can get us to consider something from a different perspective than what we think is the truth. And and it can happen without us expecting it. And then it kind of opens our brains to looking into even more. And and I know there, there are so many art activities in terms of activism, awareness raising going on across our country. There are things that are going on online. There are groups. Um, I think about Zarina Zabriskie and the arts resistance. I think about the group that I'm involved with, the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, and and ways of of getting people to speak out, speak up. Um, USDAC, the Department of Arts and Culture, which is this people's movement thing, is primarily about belonging and valuing art and culture and trying to elevate that. And so uh, there there there's this beauty to me of of these artists all over our country who are on fire right now and doing what they can, um, not just to process what's going on, but to encourage other people to look and to do and, and to, to be open, you know, that we've got to connect with people to be able to bridge gaps. And, and art is one of those ways that we might connect with people. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. The, 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 the vitality of the written and spoken word, um, I think always um, exceeds um, what our um, anticipation or expectations of that could be. Yeah. So um, as writers, you um, we, we spend a lot of time focusing on why I, need, I, I want to express myself this way. But at times, I, I think we underestimate the impact of our means of expression and wow. the amount of change that can take place. Because yeah. you never know when somebody's either seeing you at a reading or they read your work where um, 
uh, how much of an impact um, that has on them. Mm-hmm. Um, very recently, I was actually outside of uh, Prospero speaking with uh, Will Latham and Brandon Whitehead, or two regulars down there, and I left the store, and this group of uh, college students approached me, and I'm never really comfortable. It's not a, a sense of insecurity. I just I don't really don't like I don't like being put on a pedestal um, because I think that once you're on a pedestal, it can definitely inflate your ego. And um, I, I you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do everything I can to remain humble because there's always room for improvement. Um, but these uh, their kids are in their early 20s. These two kids approached me and they had read some of my work. And um, one of the young poets is on the verge of tears. And um, I was really just kind of shocked um, that my work had affected this young lady to that impact. And um, so it was just kind of a surreal moment where I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't see that coming at all. So uh-huh. um, it was a very humbling experience for me personally. So, uh-huh. um, so you never know um, um, what impact that your work is actually going to have on others. But I think it's the power of art that there's always a sense of mystery behind it. So Yes. And, and as you, you started that story, you mentioned that you had been with Brandon Whitehead and Will Latham, I, I don't know Will, but I, I want to give a shout out to Brandon because Brandon is another one of those very talented poets who's all about increasing the visibility of other people as well. You know, he's he's always there, you know, encouraging other people on, you know, and, and you see that in, in the way that he shares information on social media and, and all kinds of things. So he's he's one of those people that I, I also really appreciate. Brandon's a guy that I've had I've had an opportunity to do a couple of readings with him, um, and I've, I've spent a little time with Brandon. Um, his style of poetry um, is it's unique in the sense that it's not what most people would consider um, like a poet's poet. You know, it's not a <laughs> Robert Frost bit. Um, um, and I, I listened to the interview that he had with you where he explained kind of the nature of his, you know, how he got to be where he was at as a poet. And I, I personally witnessed um, Brandon reading and his delivery, his style, um, the subjects that he talks about um, to the uh, people that they're coming into a poetry reading and they're sitting down, they're expecting, you know, poems to be about uh, bicycles or lily pads or whatever, which are fine. <laughs> Um, and it does that does reach certain dy- dynamics. Brandon doesn't write about that. Brandon will write about um, well, just just get Brandon's work. I'll just put it that way. Um, but it's important. It's a, it's a different take and it's a different view. And uh, Brandon's one of those guys that when you're putting together events, you want you need that that unique voice there. Yeah, you need so, that. absolutely. Yeah, yeah the, the diversity in terms of style and content and delivery, and you know, it's like that's that's what makes. It, it's fun. We get surprised by things that happen when, you know, we're at an event with multiple poets at the mic, you know, that that these different ways and expression and, and it's just it it's intriguing and interesting. It's it's I, I think that's that's the best part for me is when it is is a group of people like that. And and no, they don't all have the same cadence. Yay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, there, there's a sense that there's seriousness, and there's also a sense of humor in his work as well, yes, yes. Um, which uh, uh, which is interesting. So yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of humor, as people can tell. So <laughs> as I say, without laughter, we explode, mm. and that's just not pretty. <laughs> mm. 
No, it's not. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> so in the last few minutes of the show, I want to kind of recap, like, so what's the best way for people to follow your work, Jameson? Um, I have a website. It's uh, uh, jamesonbailswordpress.com. Um, they can hit me up on Facebook as well. There is a, a, a Facebook page for the Legends of Doho project, in which I'm trying to keep uh, up on that pretty regularly on where, as I promote this book, where all it takes me personally. Um, not necessarily as a means of promoting me, but just showing others that if Jameson Bales can do this, uh, you can do this as well, that the networks are there. Um, uh -huh. All you got to do is get a book and hit the road a bit. So uh -huh. um, that, that would be the easiest way. Or hunt for me in a very peaceful way in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> another way. <laughs> another easy way. So. All right. And so you mentioned, of course, that on Monday, February 13th, that's when you have the release at the Uptown Arts Bar. Um, That's correct. And that will be a great event with you reading, with Krista Siglin reading. Um, you said there's a 7 o'clock open mic before you are at the mic. Books to be bought. Um, so all that good stuff happening on Monday the 13th. And then it sounds like you will be traveling to other places Um of course, you have that April 21 through 23, big, big stuff going on, Kansas City Poetry Throwdown. People can find that event information on Facebook and also on the Spartan Press website. So Correct. you, well, again, you've got WordPress, you've got Facebook, you've got a Facebook for Legends of Doho, and lots of good stuff coming up. Yeah, I've got, yeah, I, 2017, will be, I'll be a busy little boy. <laughs> yeah. And Poetry yeah. Bay is also on Facebook, so that's how people read those articles. That's, that's correct. Online. That's correct. Yeah, mm -hmm. so so great stuff. Well, Jameson, thank you very much for joining me today and for all this goodness that's happening. And I, I don't like time to rush, but, I mean, it's going to be April before we know it. <laughs> it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's like, oh, there's so much we're going to do between now and then. And Absolutely. Then, thing where you probably won't sleep for a week and um, hang out and have a great time. And at the same time of being exhausted, it's also a great way to recharge when you're really with your people, you know, that, that opportunity to be in the room in real life. That's going to be a great gift to everybody who's part of even just parts of the Throwdown Weekend. So I definitely encourage people to head out there and, and look for all those great poets and buy those books and have those conversations and get inspired for your life as well as your writing if you're a writer. Absolutely. Yes. So thank yeah. you very much, Jameson. Uh, thank you. And so long to our listeners. <laughs>